Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the Ecom Sales Tax Podcast. I'm Andy Johnson. I'm here with my co-host Dan Peisner. How you doing, Dan? Doing well, Andy. Dan, you are the newly minted uh, C, uh, CMI from the IPT, and I have here in my hot little hands a, a letter uh, officially from the IPT, uh, welcoming, informing me that Daniel Peisner has met all the requirements for the CMI sales tax professional designation. So this is awesome news. I know we shared that last week, but I just got that letter. Um, you don't get very many actually signed letters anymore. So uh, I, I, I thought you'd appreciate it. Uh, that way, if there was any question of what I was doing when I was going to all those meetings, uh, you 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 had something authentic that uh, I wasn't just going to exotic resorts and trying to trying to turn in the expenses. Right. Now, I still have plenty of questions about what was going on at the meetings, but at least you, you were multitasking and got the designation. So that's good. So um, this week's episode, Dan, we're trying to help e-commerce businesses stay on top of the ever-changing world of sales tax. And it really is ever-changing. And uh, we have some uh, developments to share is kind of alarming, really, developments on two fronts. Uh, we're going to be talking about California and what Amazon has agreed to do there. And this is just hot off the presses. This is, uh, really, this is today. Did we get this email today? We just barely found this out. And then the other one, we're going to be uh, bringing cookies up. And uh, cookies is one of my weaknesses. Um, but it could be a weakness for a nexus also. So let's start with the, um, I'm going to share this notice that uh, we got from uh, one of our clients. And I think I've, I know I have blocked out any identifying information here, but Dan, why don't you walk us through here? What is Amazon saying to their sellers? Well, what, what Amazon is basically saying is, is something that we've seen before and that's, <clears throat> This, this all started with Massachusetts when Massachusetts decided rather than trying to find the sellers individually, they were going to subpoena Amazon. Amazon took them to court and they ultimately the Massachusetts uh, Superior Court had found that it was a validly issued subpoena and that Amazon had to comply and they were left with no other choice. They, they ran out of appeal options more or less and they, so they, uh, they complied and they handed over the data. We've seen uh, a few other states uh, do this as well, but uh, as of today, we, it seems that California has joined in. And uh, one of the reasons that this is important is because California is, for, for most sellers, it's going to be their biggest state. They're, I mean, they're a, California's economy ranks on a, on a world scale. They're one of the biggest states in the union. They're, they've got a, a and, and almost every one of our the sellers that we work with, it's it's their biggest or second biggest state. And what uh, this is kind of surprising to me because California has traditionally uh, they've they've been one of the most effective states in through their own methods uh, finding Amazon sellers. So it it was my understanding that if they were were seeing success with that method, that they, they weren't going to go to the trouble of subpoenaing Amazon and, and trying to fight them. But it looks like they've, they've kind of opted to do that anyway. 
with that being said, uh, the, the information grab here is not as, as detailed as we've seen in other states. Uh, according to the, this letter, the only thing that Amazon's really disclosing is going to be contact information for each one of these taxpayers and uh, an FEIN. It says U.S. taxpayer ID number is probably going to be the FEIN. Now, that's what the reason that's important. That doesn't say when the start of sales were in the state. That doesn't say what the gross sales were. So uh, that, that means anybody from a, that sold one $5 widget to anybody that sold a, a bigger widget uh, could potentially be up for, up for a notification uh, for a letter from California. The other important thing here is that it's not asking for any inventory data. Other states have, have said, have asked, uh, have asked for inventory amounts or preface it towards taxpayers that have inventory in the state as of a certain point. So uh, we, it's possible that that's was let was in here and, and was, and was not just not mentioned, but uh, this could mean that everybody from the smallest to the, the biggest sellers can get contacted by California. But most here's something that Dan, as I was looking at this and thinking about like uh, other States, like we've talked about Rhode Island, for example, and, Mm-hmm. Just the various states and what they've asked Amazon to provide, and it's pretty daunting. And so they've put a lot of burden on Amazon, and so Amazon's wanted to fight this. But to me, this is a little, it's actually fairly shrewd, very shrewd of California because uh, they're just asking for, I need the federal tax ID and the email address, basically, of customers that were in business in 2017. And so, if, you know, the states always complain that it's so expensive to enforce their own use tax laws. It's expensive only politically, and especially if you have people's email address. So um, I think that what they're saying here to Amazon is, give me someone who's been active on your platform uh, with sales in California. Uh, just give me something that you can give me 2017. That will be easy. You won't fight me on this. Plus you've given it to other States. Uh, and then we will pursue it from there. We know that. Uh, so California can say, we know you've been doing business with Amazon in 2017. We know you had physical presence nexus in our state or we think you did. So uh, here is your official notification that we know who you are and uh, we're directing you to provide, you know, have the taxpayer provide the information, knowing that they can always verify it with Amazon if they want to. But this, the contact information, including the email, makes it so easy and costs, it's so, so inexpensive for California now to send out who knows how many emails, a million, 10 million? No, it can't be that many because only two million FBA sellers. But I bet there's a million FBA sellers that have business in California. Because as you mentioned, California would normally be your biggest state. And usually my experience is California is the biggest by a factor of two. You know, they're they're two times even Texas, you know, any other big state, California usually doubles it. So to me, this is a really big deal what California is doing. And I can see why we're getting so many contacts on this already. Certainly. Uh, there, some of the other, 
some of the other states rank up there in size, but but California certainly is the big one. Um, one thing to one thing to note for all of the the sellers out there. If you're already registered in the state and you're already collecting and remitting sales tax, you do not have a problem. Generally speaking, uh, you may get one of these letters. Uh, we've seen in their California's past letter campaigns, they don't always do a great job of filtering out existing sellers, but they actually have a spot at the top to say, I already have a permit and put your, your sales tax permit number, send it back. Should you find yourself in this situation, that, that's certainly the a response that you can do that, that should hopefully get the cause your, your name to be dropped from the list. Uh, if for those that are, are doing business in the state and have not yet registered, have not yet been contacted, uh, I would seriously look at uh, potentially get, doing a voluntary disclosure. This is something that can limit your exposure to uh, if, if you voluntarily disclose with the state and it's accepted, then your look back would be limited to three years, assuming you've been doing business at least that long. And uh, you would get a penalty waiver. If you do, if you get contacted by California first, they'll go back seven years if you've been in business that long and you might get a penalty waiver. Okay. So that's the key. That's the key, Dan, um, is California. If you've been selling in California uh, more than four or five years, <clears throat> then uh, you really should consider doing a voluntary disclosure. Even potentially if you're a really big seller and just doing business one year, the, the penalty savings in California might justify the cost of a, of a voluntary disclosure, maybe. But at least... Like we always say, you start with Nexus. Did you have Nexus there? And if you're an FBA seller and you have products in the warehouse, yes. Um, Dan, maybe you can tell me off the top or with a little bit of research, uh, how far back does California go for FBA Nexus? When, when could you first have had Nexus in California because they had a fulfillment center there? So I'll let you just, you know, unless you know it right off the top. Oh, that I do not know off the top of my head. I have to refer to our, uh, to our resource chart, but go ahead and look that up. So the first question is, when did I first have Nexus? Meaning, typically for an FBA seller, that means when did you have product in a warehouse in California? So um, Dan's going to tell us when, that, when the earliest of those dates could be. Uh, so that's the first question. And... Uh, when did you first start making sales after that date? So that would be your date of first nexus. And then you're going to look at the volume of your sales during that period, knowing that if California finds you first, they're going to go back as far as day one, uh, the lesser of seven years or day one that you started business in their state. Uh, Dan, feel free to interrupt me when you get that information. The, uh, the answer is... Oct the earliest date that we know of was October of 2012 that they had a warehouse. Okay. So uh, we're in 2018. So California, if, if you had Nexus for some other reason other than FBA inventory in a California warehouse, then they will go back to at least seven years, right? Well, they will go back a max of seven years is what we have found. Um, but you have exposure in California. If you've been in business on FBA longer than 
say 2000, well, as long as 2012, then that's how far back California will go if they find you first. Right, Dan? That's correct. Yeah. So uh, what if, if you went to, vol- so one of your options could be if you have sales in the past, you have a number of options. First of all, you're going to evaluate what the materiality is and uh, decide should you do a voluntary disclosure or not. It's not an automatic decision, but Dan, can you tell me, uh, you, you work on voluntary disclosures all the time. What, is, what does California offer in exchange for you coming forward to them voluntarily? California will limit that look back to three years and they will... So that would uh, be half the period, right? Because they can go back to October 2012, potentially, right? Mm-hmm. So if That's you were correct. going to them right now, they would only go back to October of 2015. Yes. And they would also waive, they would automatically waive any penalties associated with it, which is 10% of the total tax due. So um, that's, that's the factors that we consider in whether we recommend a voluntary disclosure. If you're already registered, like Dan said, you're probably in, you're probably okay because they're probably looking strictly for people who aren't registered. Uh, They'll probably, if you just reply to whatever communication that you get with, I have a permit, I'm registered and just leave it at that. uh, My guess is they won't say, yeah, but did you register uh, back to day one? There's that potential, but there's nothing you can do about that. Your response is I'm registered. So go away. Right, Dan? That's correct. Um, for people who, uh, who just started, what should they be thinking about as far as California is concerned? Well, if you just started in 2018, you may not even show up on the 2017 report. Uh, but my recommendation, if you just started in 2018, uh, look at certainly getting registered and collecting on and remitting on a going forward basis. And if they, if they catch, if, if they catch up with you, then you're filing a few extra returns and, and then just uh, you can try to see if you can get a penalty waiver from them at that point. Uh, you, if you're relatively new, it may not be uh, there. California, the VDA procedure doesn't shortcut a lot of things like it does in other states. So if you're, it, you may be better off just register, start collecting going forward and then, if you get that letter and they say, well, we think you've been here a little bit longer, file the returns at that point. Okay. All right. So um, that's some really good information. Any, any other concluding comments on the Amazon notice about California? <clears throat> the, one, one thing to note, uh, this, is the, this is the Department of Tax and Fee Administration that sent this out, and they are the, they administer the sales and use tax for the state. They do not administer the income tax. To date, uh, this, the, the CDTFA has not worked and shared a lot of information with the Franchise Tax Board, uh, so that does not automatically mean everybody's going to get a notice about income tax. However, Inventory in the state will give you nexus for the for the, the California for, uh, income slash franchise tax, and just because they haven't shared 
they didn't share information in the past when they were a slightly different organization, but that's something that, that can always change. And quite frankly, we're kind of surprised it hasn't as of yet, considering how California does like their tax money. And so that's something that, that all our, our, our clients should be cognizant of, of as well. Uh, is any potential look at potential income tax exposure and, and what you want to do about that. All right. Very good. All right, Dan. Um, I'm just trying to share my screen cause I just want to share this uh, little article from taxify about cookies. What am I sharing? Wrong screen. Share cookies. Share that one. There we go. All right. So, Dan, um, another hot topic. So, right now, it's all about Wayfair and what Wayfair is doing to people. And it's it's pretty bad, right? You got um, you can have two hundred transactions in the state and have Nexus. Well, um, we, we already know that physical presence gives you Nexus. That hasn't gone away. And um, what people may not know is that cookies, not those kind of cookies that you see in the picture, but software cookies and website cookies can also give you Nexus. Then is the theory that uh, cookies are a form of physical presence Nexus? Well, it, it's uh, it's certainly the theory that the states are trying. And to, to put it into context, this cookies are are not a Wayfair thing. Cookie Nexus is a quill thing. This was it was originally it wasn't a kill quill so much as it was a chip away at quill. The states this was back when the states were really trying anything that they could come up with to try to chip away at quill. And to, to get Nexus to all these online sellers that just were not collecting the tax like they wanted them to. And this is the, the cookie Nexus idea is that almost every website out there nowadays uh, puts for, for people that view it will put some kind of a, a little text file on them called a cookie. And this will store uh, session data. It'll, it'll store what that maybe what that person last looked at. Maybe what it'll store login encrypted login information so that it can uh, or whenever you hit that remember me button on a website, there's usually a cookie involved with that. Uh, they may store some cookies will, will track your your search patterns so that you can if you start seeing tailored search results, there's usually a cookie behind that, and so they they do those they they do those kinds of things. And so the the state has said, wait a minute, if if um, if you're a Massachusetts company and you're putting, or if you're if you're an out-of-state company and you're putting cookies on every one of these Massachusetts uh, individuals that visit the site, and you're you get thousands and thousands of individuals, you've got this property on everybody's computers. And they said we think that that's enough. That's that's the more than the slightest physical presence. That's more than the three discats and quill. That's going to be enough to give you nexus within the state. And so that. They put that into effect in mid 2017, and so that is a it's an obligation that taxpayers have under under Massachusetts. I don't think it's law so much as I think they they did that through a 
they, they originally tried to get it through on a written on just a, a, a bulletin and then they got sued for on procedural grounds and they had to reissue it as a, a regulation but they're they're currently it's you know, I know Crutchfield is currently suing them on this basis and I think they're actually through a, a turn of events suing them in Virginia court over was Massachusetts and Massachusetts does not much like being dragged into Virginia over this. And you were mentioning that Ohio is kind of trying to go down this road. Yes. Everybody says Ohio has cookie nexus. I'm not so sure. I think they'd like to think they've got cookie nexus that they've Ohio has a Ohio has a, a Ohio's position is that having software like an app uh, in the state can give you nexus and and there that may have a little bit of a stronger claim because you still own the the rights to that software you've licensed it you you have you've got stronger ownership rights once you put a text file on my computer i don't know how what rights you you potentially have over that uh, if any i mean i can go on there i can delete it i can rewrite it to my heart's content you can't do much about it but an an app is as there's software software's got got a whole lot of different arguments that the the lawyers can play with but what ohio has said is they think that they bring into this they think cookies are also fall under this idea of of software and and i think for for taxpayers that are affected by that they they definitely want to take a look at what cookies they are using what they do are they really could it, does it really rise to the level of software and then and see do you do you really meet that nexus under Ohio's definition now Ohio went effective I believe January of 2018 with with their we'll call it app software their cookie nexus whatever you want to call it so uh, a lot of sellers don't have as much exposure uh, some some people that, that don't have a lot of exposure yet may just register going forward just it's say it's not worth fighting it. Uh, others may allege that they have no nexus and fight it, but it's something that, that uh, we, we want to make everybody aware of because everybody's, everybody's keeping an eye on all these other states because, they're, because of Wayfair and, and Ohio and, and Massachusetts in the wake of Wayfair, their position is their laws are, are that much more valid and confirmed and that, that the sellers had nexus going back to you know, January of 18 for Ohio and mid 17 for Massachusetts. Okay. All right. So thanks for that update on what's going on in the world of cookie nexus. So uh, with that, Dan, I think we better save any more for our next episode. And that concludes. Thank you everybody for being with us. That concludes this week's episode of the Ecom sales tax podcast. And Dan, thanks to you. We'll see you next week. See you then, Andy.